really? Yeah, way back when, yes. Oh, my And that's where I first met you. I went with my mom. Mm Mm-hmm. A church in Palos Verdes, St. Francis, was the church. Well, it was, we were, yeah, I can't remember what church that Bishop Scarlet or Father Scarlet then was having us worship, but um, I know my mom was very fond of you. <laughs> oh, well, I, I really, um, we went, Father, um, uh, oh, our priest there in, in uh, Santa Rosa, not Santa Rosa, in uh, Palos Verdes, mm-hmm. St. Francis for years and years and years. And mm-hmm. our girls, it was an Episcopal church. Right. Yeah. And our, our girls were brought up there. Uh-huh. Uh, and married there. Oh, but then, my goodness. Um, when we... Uh, we didn't like when Father, uh, our, our priest left, he retired, and mm-hmm. they got we didn't like. And so then that's when I wrote to Scarlet, Doc, Father Scarlet's um, mm-hmm. bishop, and that's how we got to know each other. Yes. So here we are all these years. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Have you met my friend? Griselda? Yeah. No, I haven't. Hello. Oh, hello. She's I'm Elizabeth. Friend for many, many years, and I don't know what I'd do without her. No. Oh, we all need a friend like that. That's well, for sure. <laughs> nice to meet you, Griselda. But I guess I should be quiet now in case the bishop wants to talk. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> He's not even in his chair yet. To get a copy. <laughs> I, I don't call him Bishop, I call him Seer. Oh, you put, put it in put in a quiet. Want me to be quiet? No, they want us to be quiet unless Okay. <laughs> How can you mute? I like to talk too much. How can you mute it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I want to talk to Stephen a minute. Oh. Okay, you can talk. Or blue. Or blue. Sometimes it goes crazy. Or blue. I'm fine. Uh, we're we're going to uh, we'll, we'll yes. talk about it here uh, briefly. Um, got to train a lot of us to do a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, 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 I just retired. I'm not doing anything. We're not doing anything. Right. <laughs> well, I'm still working, but I don't have it. What I want is uh, I got to put blue on so I can see people. And you have a joke when I saw blue It's just my style. <laughs> I think that was the idea of the naming, probably. Right, but then you shouldn't have grown out of this. Really? Yeah. Yeah, we're having to switch over to uh, Zoom. It's actually quite a quite a thing. I was trying to listen. Yeah. He's on that. This is all happening in a couple months. So, no, I don't want. What I need is. Are you kidding? 
to the top and you'll see you'll see a microphone and you just click on that if that can you hear us yes <laughs> yes you need to not be able to otherwise it work. And you, need, you need to you can talk you have to mute and unmute if you want to like contribute to the discussion you can unmute, but otherwise, oh, here we go. Hold yeah. on a second. Okay. I think I can. You can override everybody. Right? You know what, but I don't have, I didn't log in. So, so you're still not, let me, uh, let me see what I Jim can do. Jim Bell's muted. So go, go ahead and, uh, yeah, I mean, Mimi, you've got to do that or we can't, we can't have you on. So find a way to, to push your, your speaker button and turn it red. The one is closed. I'm pushing it, but it doesn't go up. Griselda, it's in the top center of the screen. Yeah, so I'm doing it. I, okay. a, if you click it, it goes red. It doesn't go. Are you using your, your uh, mouse? Are you on a Are you on a desktop? All right, mute. Auto. I'm using the mouse. Isn't that it? That would be me. <laughs> 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 okay. One time I was doing Zoom for a court. Can I? Can I? I can fix this. Just gonna take. So just relax and chat for a couple and minutes yeah. while I get on the. I head. couldn't get. I'll bring my laptop after this. I'll get to the. You don't. I don't. I don't. You, 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 nothing I send you, you open. But you know how to send, distribute political articles. I know you do. Oh, yes, she does. Oh, yes, yes, she does. Oh, yes, she does. You. <laughs> look, look, right. look at that little yeah. smirk on her face. <laughs> it's funny. I know nothing about this. No, I can get this. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're an expert in all things computer. 
<laughs> on this iPad, I just took a minute ago. I go, oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Marsha. Um, all right. Set. All right, now. Here we are. So, anyway, uh, uh, we'll, we'll start with prayer and then we'll do a couple housekeeping things. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures written for our learning. Grant, who meant such wise, hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which has given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning to all. Welcome some new some new friends. Uh, we have uh, a pretty good cohort online as well. Uh, you see uh, uh, those uh, Elizabeth and... Jim and Phyllis, and Connie, and Mimi, and Griselda, here in Santa Rosa. And you don't see Katie, San Luis Obispo. Hi, Katie. Yes, there she is. Hi. So, what we discovered, the epiphany today, we asked if you join us, we've become a coffee-drinking crowd, so we're going to make a bigger pot, we'll make a quarter pot of a big thing. And anyone who wants to be participate in, like, like, coffee monitors, I'm happy to show you how to do that. But if I show you, I'm a coffee snob, so you have to do it the right way. Well, we know that you're a coffee snob. You are. You and a cigar snob. Hot coffee, yeah. So, um, but, huh? Well, we, we, we have, we have a, our coffee here is set up by Keen. We have all the stuff. You go to Keen in Newport or Keen in Tuscan, we have the same equipment as they do. Because when we made this Martin Dietrich, uh, it's actually Blake who, who knew what he called him. Hey, would you come by? He came by and oh, was told us get this, that, that, and the other things we got. And then he took a tour of his, uh, he has a roastery, and he's just so into coffee, he'd keep you there for a couple of hours talking about coffee. I may not have to bring mine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just, oh, the, yeah. No, this is the coffee problem. we make here is better than most coffee. So, all right, so we are, we are here in, um, who, does everyone know everybody else here? No, I don't know this gentleman. Um, I'm Marion. Well, but some some of the people who let's 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 um, let's introduce ourselves. Give oh. give our names here. Uh, Marsha Farrell. Okay. And Stephanie Moore. Dean Wilson. Carol Wilson. Marion Padilla. Robert Stroop. Cheryl Meyer Keller. Jack Burns. That's yes, And online we've got. Uh, who are you, sir? I'm Bishop Scarlett. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually introduce people online kind of by name. Yeah. Stephanie is somewhat new to us as a church, so we welcome her to class. And uh, um, anyway, so we're studying the Psalms. And we're, we're kind of walking through them, and, and I'm, uh, I'm discovering they're, 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 I don't know that I've ever, I've, I've certainly had studies on a psalm or two that we've looked at, you know, thematically. But um, what, what I've kind of realized in studying this is that what you get when you study the psalms is um, you, you get into the experience of the Christian life rather than the ideas about the Christian life. And so it's it gets you into the living of, of faith rather than the, 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 uh, the sort of thinking about faith. And how and so these prayers all are going to um, highlight certain doctrines, but they're going to do it from the, from the framework of, of, of the experience of God's people in their prayer. 
Now, um, we have a, uh, we can do a little bit of review. We missed a week. And so we, we said um, that the Psalms are best, uh, are, are, are best understood what we would call Christologically. That is to say that these are the voice of God's people in their prayer of Israel in the Old Testament, certainly us in the New, but quintessentially of, of the, the Lord's anointed who is Christ. And if we get to Psalm 7 today, we'll, we'll see why that's occasionally required, because there are certain things in the psalm that only he could say. And we can pray them then only in the sense that we are in him. But we are, it is, it is, so in, in a sense, it is the, um, the, the voice of God's people offered to God. But since God focuses on the prayers of his, of his anointed, his chosen, his elect, Israel, Christ, church, um, the, the, really the focus of the voice is the voice of Christ. And the narrative of his life, which fulfills the story of Israel, and then, if we're to understand our own lives, um, is the way we should begin to understand our own lives, the story of our own lives in terms of the story of his life. Now, when you pray the Psalms, you, you realize it, it's a very different story than the world we live in. And we talk about this in some of our formation classes that living in the story of the kingdom versus story of the world is sort of essential if we're going to be formed by the faith. So you have to, to understand and make any sense of the Psalms, you, you, we, we're looking at life from the distinct perspective of what it means to live as God's people in a world. And we've talked about, therefore, um, the concept of the enemies. What do we say about that? We talked about that at length. How do we understand the enemies when we're praying in the Psalms, you know, God overthrow my enemies or assault? The devil. Okay. So speak about where, where, how, where do we find those to be our enemies or where do they relate to our Christian identity? I don't understand. We'll think about it. Where, where do they? Where does that language, world, flesh, and devil, come up? Where do you get? Oh, baptism. Baptism. Yeah. What, 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 what happened? In, what, what, what was the context of those words in baptism? That we renounce. You renounce the world, oh. flesh, and the devil. That's that's your baptismal vow. Yeah. In fact, in in so many words, the grouping of the word the, of the world, the flesh, and the devil, in terms of. I think the Book of Common Prayer is really a, a place where that happens most clearly. Um, and we talked about in a previous class on the Psalms, the unique focus. So what are, what do we, the, 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 the world, the flesh, and the devil have uh, a title? The in, Temptations in the, of Christ. Huh? The Temptations of Christ. Well, the, he faced those, but these as, um, as, as, was that? Evil. The enemy. The, the en Enemies. They're referred to just the enemies of the soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So when you, in the voice of the psalm, are praying to be defended against your enemies, 
we're always casting the visible battle in terms of the spiritual. And th this is where, if we just took the Psalms at face value, and you know, I'm having a battle against you and you're my enemy, you know, I could say, well, I'm just praying for God to overthrow you because you're, you're such a bad person and I'm so righteous. Uh, but what we're really praying, uh, you know, th there, there are cases, I would say, of course, where that is true in the sense that oppressed people who pray the Psalms and are really being harmed by an unjust, that there is a way, and, and oppressed people in the world, that the Psalms are not just theoretical. They're a way of life. But, but for those of us who live in um, less tension circumstances, and it's good for us to remember we complain about our world we live in or the West or whatever's happening in the country, to remember we're still way easier here. First of all, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so in, after 70 AD, is there a devil or is there just evil? No, there is a devil. Um, the, 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 um, so let's look at this. So the, the framework of this is that, um, so the prayer, to, to finish the thought on the, the visible circumstance, I may be fighting against something, and it may even, I may have the sense of being more in the right than the other, more in the wrong. Nonetheless, the primary battle is not just that I win this visible thing, but that I be aware of how temptation comes at me in the midst of this battle. So, for example, um, well, it, it, uh, for example, as I, as I approach, uh, uh, you know, I, I do battle with an adversary or I, somebody is opposing me, um, there's a temptation to anger, which could be not righteous anger, but just personally vindictive anger. And so this thing, something wrong is done to me, I... I am offended and I want to strike back. But if I strike back, all of a sudden I've sinned also. So that's why that's a temptation. It's a temptation of that that of to some degree of, of the flesh because that's sort of an appetite, anger. I've just, something was denied me and I'm angry about it. So being aware of, and this is why always in the um, language of the Psalms, really throughout the New Testament, pay close attention in morning prayer. We Bring this comes up a lot uh, that the idea of maintaining your innocence that that it doesn't mean you can't oppose evil or wrong but it means you can't do it wrongly <laughs> you have to always be conscious of of righteous behavior because we live in Christ and to do something wrong would be to fall back into the space of judgment that comes on the world rather than to be in God's people who are justified and vindicated. So that's why the temptation, therefore, to respond unrighteously is one temptation. It's one way that, that, that even though the visible, the real enemy is not just the visible enemy. Could you think of any others? Examples where it involved the visible battle and other um, Temptations can come in, but anything that takes you, that separates you from from God, I think. Well, 
think on that in your own life, that when you're facing something, it's not just what's happening here in this visible thing, but but what kinds of temptations come upon me? Uh, temptations, you know, anger, to covetousness, to envy, to despair, pride, to pride. All the traits of man. Yeah, <laughs> that we all share. So, so the fight against the enemy, therefore, is is um, against in the spiritual battle, um, which manifests itself through the physical battle. As Ephesians says, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers who use the flesh and blood battles to um, provoke us. And so spiritual maturity uh, develops a growing awareness of not just the thing, but 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 the, but the temptations that come upon us because of the thing we're going through. Um, it's also why it's problematic to have to win the temporal battle. You may not win the temporal battle. Our Lord did not win the temporal battle. He lost it on Good Friday, but was vindicated on Easter. So the main thing we want to do unto death is be faithful. And we will share in that. that, that. Now, sometimes vindication you know, does come in time, but, but if we have to have it, if, if the temporal battle is more important than the eternal one, that's where you start justifying. Uh, the temporal man justifies the means, and all of a sudden we, we, we fall into things that, that are um, not right. When you talk about God's people, are is that Christians or Jews? It's the church. church. By definition, it's the church. That's the Christian church. The Christian church. You can't prove you're Jewish anymore. There's no temple. Which can include Jews. But, but, but a part of, but a part, I mean, let's just think about this again. Be, let's be clear. and Let's not be, you know, uh, the church was created on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon it. So to be in Christ means to be baptized by the Spirit into Christ. And that is the church. Those who deny that Jesus is Messiah are not in. Are there? There. They may be as Saint Paul uh, plays with in Romans. Um, you know, historically, God's covenant people with, with who may have some standing because of those promises, but they don't. They are not in their in the in the in the relationship of current access to Him through Christ in the Spirit. Right. You know, it just isn't that way. And Jesus said, "Only through me can they see the Father." And anybody. Well, and, and to Stephanie's point about the temple, the church is the new temple. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It fills the church the way the Holy Spirit, the way when Solomon dedicated the temple, when the, when the cloud came in and took up residence and God dwelled there, that was fulfilled when the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And as John says, we beheld His glory. So the glory of God, which was in a building in the Old Covenant, uh, came to dwell in, in Christ through the Incarnation. That was the physical presence. And then through the gift of the Spirit that dwells now in His body. And yeah, that's, that is the unique uh, claim that the Church and Church is the people of God, and because it is, it, it is um, that the Bible is filled with the Spirit that comes to us through the cross, through faith in Jesus. And despite 
you know, there's a lot of debates about this, who, who wears God's ear and all that, but it, but that's, that is God's covenant people. That's not saying everyone else going to hell or anything. We don't know. That's up to God to do. But we're, we have unique status that those who are not in Christ do not have. Praise God. That's correct. I've been in battle with artificial intelligence. Seriously. <laughs> That's another, I don't know, is that the world, the flesh, or the devil? It was, it's just been incredible. So the feedback on that was a little cryptic. Tell, tell us about your battle with AI. Well, I, when you deal with Samsung, you have to mail your, I have a little bot vacuum and I had to mail it in. So they mail it like to New, Jer New Jersey and it came back and they charged me like over $200 to fix it. And, um, and it came back and it still didn't work. So I was trying to get some help on that. And I kept getting this feedback loop, you know, how can we help you? You know, <laughs> what a fine. But it, it wasn't like actually helping me. Okay, well, thank you very much. Your, your case is closed. It's just like, no. So I, I just There's went online. Now we're always talking to mm -hmm. artificial intelligence. That uh, <laughs> It was so clear it was artificial intelligence. And so what I did was I just thought, okay, I'm, I'm done. So I went online and wrote a review. And I said, I really like this PowerBot, but I can't get service on it. So I, I will never use Sam's been a nightmare. I spent hours on it. And it's like. So finally the, this morning. The temptation there, of course, is, you know, that's that's a whole, those things come up. Sidetracked, <laughs> which is another issue. I mean, again, exactly. I, want to into, I want to get into a song here, but but the um, <laughs> the issue of technology in general, which can aid us and distract us, yeah. it's great, but then we're spending a lot of time thinking about it, which is why the, the when we talk about developing our spiritual disciplines, we, we have to think about we have to pay attention to what we pay attention to. And something may be really great, but it may be something like, you know, for example, I think about this as, you know, people, you get these, uh, you know, you get surveillance on everything, right? You, you get your front door, I'll get a camera on it. So then all the time you're going to be looking, who's there? Who's there? Who's there? I mean, it's just another distraction. And you can, you can always be checking. And, but what does that do to you spiritually? All of a sudden you're not attending to, God's presence with us in Christ through the Spirit, we're attending to all the anxious things around us. And that's a really big thing. I mean, Connie's example just makes a point. Yeah, you can get a wreck. Yeah, and then try, yeah, good, good luck trying some help on these things now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, the helplines are all, you know, uh, you, you get in, it just, just all I want to say, like, if you've got credit, just say fraud. So you say fraud, exactly. somebody will come talk to you. So. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you got the first one so let's, let's jump into um, let's jump into Psalm six. We've just been going through one psalm at a time, and they've been fruitful discussions so much so that five weeks in, we're only at Psalm. We've done Psalm week basically, and um, we're at Psalm six. I I don't know that we're going to just go through all one fifty, but uh, it's been fruitful so far. So we're just inching along. So we're on six. We're on six. Okay. So. Um, Let's, um, let me read the first three verses, and, um, and then we'll talk about the psalm. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. 
nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, Lord, how long? So let's unpack some of these things. And of course, we note the, the parallel structure of the Psalms, um, where in the first verse, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, parallels with nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Anger, hot displeasure are, are poet, poet in the whole of Hebrew poetry, the one plays it off the other and gives you another viewpoint of what's happening with, with the first expression. Um, and so, and anger and displeasure, rebuke and chasten, um, and then have mercy on me and heal me, which, so therefore, we, we see therefore that mercy has a kind of connection with healing there. To have mercy uh, on him would, would be to heal him. Weakness and trouble. Um, and then it ends up with, you know, how long we talk about what that means. So what, what's going on here? It's sinned and he's, oh, asked, he's okay. asking for mercy. Yeah, so it seems like this is a psalm of someone who's committed a sin. And let's talk here a little bit about, um, therefore, uh, so sin, somebody has sinned, and that has caused um, God's anger. Let's talk about God's anger or wrath. What does that mean? I think of God's um, characters as a jigsaw puzzle. And he, he has wrath and anger, and yet he loves the chosen, and there's so many aspects of the Lord. But, but what is wrath about? I mean, if, if so, what, what, why um, is, is God having a temper tantrum? No. Okay. So what, what, what is... Um, what is the wrath or anger? Injustice. The justice. It is. It is. Uh, well, and, and I, I think these are things that we can understand easily enough, just in our own life, uh, where if you have, are you in charge of something, and you've established a pattern and some rules, and then someone under your charge decides to say, "I'm not doing it," you know, you, you'll get angry. Um, we might be more likely to have a temper tantrum. <laughs> and this is one of the reasons that, that you know, New Testament says the wrath of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. It's why we cannot take vengeance into our own hands. And it's why the, the, the point of the psalmist when he's praying for justice is that God will avenge and he will wait for God while, he, while, while God acts, um, but not... You know, and, and again, getting to, uh, and, and this back to this is, is very important to understand because as we've spoken about, there's not this conflict between the God of the Old and God of the New Testament. Um, Stephanie has mentioned AD 70 a couple of times where Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman legion. We talk about that frequently enough in these Bible studies. 
Um, Jesus made it very clear, prophesied that event, and made it very clear that this was the consequence of, of Jerusalem's rejection of him. Forgiveness was offered uh, for, for those who crucified him, or who, who, who uh, but after a generation, a consequence came on this, uh, and that's, that's, so, so there's, when, when wrong is done, it, it, um, it, it doesn't make, we understand this, we'll say, people say about God, oh, wow, well, he's, you know, judgment and all this stuff, but then in their own lives, you know, they're, you know, mad every time someone offends them. They understand that, you know, that, that the world would be absolutely chaotic if we didn't have some sense that there was right and wrong and that wrong would be judged. And this is exactly what we say when we, in the creeds, when we say he'll, he'll come again with glory to judge the living and the dead is that he's going, that the, the long-term consequence of this will be justice. God is going to, and that's when the new heavens and the new earth are fully inaugurated in the resurrection, there will be no more injustice. God will set things right. Um, so the wrath of God is, is his just response to wrongdoing. I think this... Um, this passage from Romans uh, uh, kind of highlights a few truths in Romans 1.18, where St. Paul says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So people act in ignorance of the truth, and, and God's not happy about that. Um, it also should be noted that um, because sometimes justice is uh, seen largely in in uh, how humans treat humans, that in the Torah the primary justice is the worship of God. That you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and mind, and your then your neighbor as yourself is the second that comes out of the Torah. And what's it presents a case that unless we really love God as the primary value, we won't even be able to love each other because the value of loving the other as bearing the image of God that comes out of the relationship with God. And this is the folly of, of justice without God because there's no standard then. It's just what I think is right and wrong. And it tends to be whoever's in charge kind of tilting the board their way. So, the wrath of God. So, somehow the sin of this, of the psalmist in Psalm 6 is, um, has, has rightly brought upon himself wrath. Um, and so he prays to not rebuke or, or chasten, but to have mercy and heal. So, if sin has rightly brought upon us, as the voice of the psalmist, wrath, and yet we're praying for mercy and trusting God will give it to us, what's the basis for that? Confession. Yeah. And, and what would we, what word we use to describe the forgiveness that comes where, where wrath is? Mercy. mercy. 
mercy, mercy. maybe grace, 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 where where the evil that is is done is repaid with the good. Uh, and of course, we always um, see this in the light of the cross. That this is this is why the cross is the center of everything. That be, because he took upon himself um, the consequence of sin, in him we can we can receive the grace of God. So at the end of verse three, but you, O oh Lord, how long? How long can you expand on that? Yeah. Uh, can anyone think of a, a a place in the Bible where that very phrase comes up? Almost. <laughs> Revelation. I know. Revelation. Was that? Revelation? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I didn't. Let me see if they. Yeah. If this is a. A lot of these Bibles have cross references, but they, always, they never get the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it, what it is in Revelation is, I think it's right about chapter 7. Hebrews 12. Um, what does it say there? Rebuke and chasten. But this this is the souls who are under the altar who cry out to God, how long? Um, they said, John C. I, I, I saw I saw the um, yeah here it is here's Revelation six nine. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long? O Lord, holy and true, do you judge and avenge your blood on those who are on the earth? Now, it's interesting here, of course, that's it's the martyrs who have a case. Yeah. Here's the psalmist, like, I've sinned. And so, um, but, but God has still um, bestowed upon us his grace. And um, if you think about this, I mean, though, though we, we have this, certainly in the language of the liturgy, continually the sense of sin and the plea for mercy, yet we're wanting the Lord to come because we know that yeah. we are objects of his mercy and his mercy and grace will do its work in us. So even the penitent can say, how, you know, come, how long? Uh, and... I do think that um, it, it, it uh, is worth reflecting on that when we find ourselves in the Psalm 6 position of confessing a sin, um, how long uh, for, for a kind of, um, you know, well, I, I would say it this way, maybe using um, King David is a good example of this with his major transgression, that when Nathan the prophet confronts him, and David says, yeah, I did this wrong, he says, okay, your sins are forgiven. However, <laughs> there's going to be a season of time of, so that the, the sort of chastening and I, I, um, uh, that, that would be the distinction between how we experience the consequences of our own wrongdoing as, as God's people versus how those who are outside of, of God's people experience it, that, that wrath comes upon those who reject God as punishment for sin, the just retribution, 
but within God's people, um, the chastening is is part of our growth. We learn the way you know a child is disciplined for the wrong they do. So that so David is is um, forgiven immediately, and it's important to understand that the whole time David is exiled from the palace and Absalom is chasing him, he remains the Lord's anointed and God's favor. So when we're in a situation where we've done something, we're forgiven and restored, we can pray, yet we may have to spend a season of time with a little, a couple of things happening, we're going to learn from that. And, and it's in humility, this is really what characterizes David. So uh, essentially in, in, in the Bible, and really maybe in human history, but I don't, I'm still not aware of any king, who has told you the wrong thing and just, okay, I'm leaving the palace. Mm. But when we, when we do something wrong and a consequence comes upon us, do we willingly embrace it mm. and say, okay, what do you want to teach me here in humility? A lot of times there's a certain um, simplicity, that's the wrong word, simplicity is a good word, simplistic take on um, Forgiveness for oh yeah I sinned okay I'm God I'm sorry okay you forgive and it's all better we, nothing's going to happen as yeah. though as though we don't have we're not going to be learning from from what we've done and growing you know just like again children are perfect analogy right yeah you're forgiven you're not cutting them out of the family but no you're not going to be doing that for a week now or you have this this thing you're not going to have for a while so you can think about that and. And that's that's for our own good that that is, but it's not punishment. It's it's um, it's it's growth. It's, it's it's for our growth, and that's what we always understand in, in the spiritual life. We always look at things in terms of how it contributes to our growth. Question. Yeah. Um, do um, do we? Plead our case to God now or at the judgment day. I mean, try to explain why we did it. Not that we didn't do it and we should be punished for it, but at least try to explain why we did it. sidebar here. <laughs> you know, um, that's a sort of a, a spiritually directed question, um, but I think when you're making a confession, you really want to avoid the explanation of why you did it. You just did it. The the question of why you did it is is for self reflection. What is it that I'm, you know, I might have a. Um, when we talked about this in this class, but we typically have. Um, Emotions that that we kind of push away from ourselves, and they often relate to things we've experienced, or wounds we've embraced, or injustices we've suffered that we haven't fully processed through. And when we don't embrace that those parts of ourselves, they tend to sneak out into other behaviors that we would call sin. So the sin is still the sin, but to understand why I'm doing this. Is probably a compulsive acting out of a running from this other thing. So why did I do that? It's like, oh, I'm really angry. Why are you really angry? Because you're really hurt. 
So, okay, you realize you have to get back in touch with that, that, that underlying motive of that. And that's, I think, really true of my experience of this in thinking about the spiritual life and making hearing confessions is that almost always beneath the surface, pride, lust, gluttony, envy, sloth, <laughs> anger, uh, I'm just here, um, there's some driving thing. It's not that there's not merely a surface temptation to consume too much or some sexual thing, but when it becomes a, a compulsion, it's usually trying to, to, to fix something that, that I'm not dealing with. And that's why um, that interior, to, to really grow, we have to get some introspection. What's going on here? And that's why contemplative prayer, uh, you know, some space of silence where we sit and pray and listen to the voice of God, and then we begin to see some of the, our own stuff revealed, is, is the way prayer tends to go. And, but when we don't want to face ourselves, it becomes very hard. Because when you sit still, you find yourself. That's why our world doesn't like silence. People always have to have noise on. When it's silence, you just you have to face yourself. So acclimating to silence and prayer. And kind of seeing, just kind of knowing yourself. Uh, so back to, to just to close the loop and answer Carol's question. Um, I, I think... Um, you might even pray, Lord, help me understand what this is about for me, more of a prayer. I think that the, 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 the explaining to God why I did it is always, always self-justifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why'd you do it? Yeah, it's like, okay. But, but, um, but in, when judgments are passed down, um, you know, they... they, they um, Accused usually has a right to explain why. But I think the point here is that um, your sins are forgiven, mm -hmm. so God knows why. Mm -hmm. But okay. you know why. That and that's mm -hmm. the spiritual growth. Yeah, it's not a mystery to God why we're doing what we're doing. Even the hairs on our head are numbered, and and so. The real point of our rationalizations is, what does this mean for me? And that's space for God to reveal to us what's really going on. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think we want to spend a lot of time. I just have, you know, have mercy. That's that's what we want there. <laughs> and he's going to give it. Um, and um, I could expand on this by saying that fully owning our sin, even when we understand why, is significant part of humility. Because, you know, when you get this, yeah, I did this, but you know, <laughs> here we go, okay? Uh, and, and humility says, I did this. Even if I'm acting out something that's wrong done to me, I did this. And I have to own it in humility. And I have to go back to the wrong done to me, and I have to grieve through and process that to a place of healing. So I don't need to act out in other ways anymore. This is me. And Christ can help us with both of those spots. But uh, the best confessions are, have no explanation. <laughs> <laughs>
against the only have I sinned and done this evil in my sight as David so So um so how long is 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 the expectation um the soul is troubled, how long that God will come and visit. And I think there's a promise to forgive us. I also have my own experience of doing wrong things and experience of God's healing is there's kind of a, a cycle of, of of how long we, we, we get back into a space of, of relative peace. It just might sometimes depend on what it was, day, two, a week, just okay. And this is actually for me um, the primary uh, motive to not sin or not to transgress, not to move away from God is not because God's going to punish you, it's because the punishment is the separation. Yeah. And when you find yourself separate from God, that's like, oh, I don't like it over here. And, and, and you realize whatever it was, wasn't worth that. That is punishment. Yeah, that is. Well, and that's, you know, C.S. Lewis has a lot of meditations on this, and other people like what hell is, mm-hmm. is, is the place where God is not. And therefore, you're not with him, and therefore, this is not very comfortable. So, verse 4, Return, O Lord, deliver me, O save me for your mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of you, in the grave who will give you thanks. Now, here the sense is death comes up a lot because death, uh, um, and this we have to kind of define out the meaning of death in the Bible. But here the idea for the psalmist is the grave is a place of separation from God. This is quintessentially why the Jewish hope is the hope of resurrection. Because there was no sense of blessedness just being with the shades and not eating because you can't, you're just over there. Um, so, but for us, death is... Um, Biblically, death is really the state of, uh, if you look at Genesis 3, in the day that you eat thereof, you should surely die. If you pay close attention to that text, there's a little bit of a contradiction, it seems, in that the day they did it, uh, they, they, they didn't physically die. In fact, they seemed to live on for a few hundred years. But if we understand that the death there was not the physical, but the separation from God. The death was now they're over there in the bushes. They don't have a living relationship with God. And that's the condition of death into which humanity is now born, apart from the remedy. And so for, for us, um, death would then be that condition of separation um, that, that uh, where... Uh, in death, there's no, you know, I, if I'm separate from God because of my sin, I can't praise God. I can't cut off. So we want to be brought back from death to life. This is kind of the language of Easter, the death of sin back into the life. And so when we when we feel, when we, when we have fallen into something transgressing, have a taste of that, 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 that sense of, of wrath and separation, that's a taste of death. And this, this is, I think, what, what pertains to our Lord's words on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God didn't forsake him, but he tasted just mm-hmm. as a human what it means to be. Yeah. 
And, and that's, so this, I think that's how we would pray this, um, not simply physical death, but the idea that um, save me, don't leave me in the state of separation. In death, no, there's no remnants you pay. Now, in the, in the grave, who will give you thanks? And for us, the, um, the grave, uh, the current union with God speaks of the resurrection so that, or, or, or gives the hope of the resurrection. So we know that, that um, as another psalm will say, he will not leave our soul in this state, or, or, but, but he will bring us back to back from death to life. Well, we talk about being in the sleep of peace. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's a, there is a separation then. Yes, you, you, you have to understand the development of the theology of this from time of the Old Testament to the New Testament. So um, the, 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 the language of the Psalms uh, is the language of, um, of, of the main promises of God being um, blessing and prosperity in the land and descendants. And not really... The, the, and, and so, so this comes to um, the development of the of the post mortem, really comes in the intertestamental period after the end of the Old Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, because that's when Israel all of a sudden doesn't enjoy land and, and blessings; they're under um, oppression, and and all of a sudden, like in Maccabees, where um, they have to fight for their lives and people are being killed. And so you get you get a development of language that you don't really find in the Old Testament. It's not like they're saying that God has abandoned those because uh, clearly, for example, we have the cryptic reappearance of Samuel to Saul and things like that. It's just not very well defined. But then in the intertestamental period in language of some of the apocryphal books like Wisdom, where he will say, uh, the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, no torment will touch. There rose the understanding that that they're in this intermediate state, which the Hebrews called Sheol and the Greeks called Hades, um, that there was in fact a separation between those who belonged to God and those who didn't. Those who belonged to God were were at rest, asleep, awaiting the resurrection. And that's the language St. Paul brings up in, in Thessalonians. I don't want to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. We believe that Christ died and rose again, so he will bring with them, the, him, those who, who sleep in Jesus. But the point of that is that, that how we, we, we frame it, uh, the condition of the souls after death and before resurrection is not fine, but intermediate. And the Christian hope is the hope of resurrection, which is the restoration of fullness of life and body, like Jesus on Easter. We talk a lot about this here, that that's often truncated in our culture, to I die and go to heaven. But that's, 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 I, we, we don't mean that when you die, you don't somehow go to be with Christ. We just mean that that's not the end point of the Christian hope. In the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, not the end point. But he says to the, um, the, the sinner on the cross, today you will be in heaven. In You'll be in paradise. But that's... Yeah, you'll be with me in paradise, yeah. but that's not the final state of the Christian hope. 
That's you'll be you'll be with the saints awaiting the resurrection. So yes, the redeemed are yet are definitively in that place. But um, and I, I you know we could we could do a separate study on this. But just read every single New Testament epistle of Paul and and look at what he 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 points to the coming of Christ and the resurrection. And 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 um, if we those who die are at rest, are asleep, asleep at peace, and we're waiting for that grand action of recreation where we, we where we are restored to the fullness of life in the body and the new creation. So the, so death has this sense here of separation. And so I think we say in death, um, we want to be brought back to the death of sin back into life in Christ. Verse 6, I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. It's a lot of tears. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Now, it's interesting here because it was a confession uh, of his own sin. And now he's talking about his enemies. But I think what we understand now in, in in the condition of confession, that whereas the enemy, uh, the the devil is, it has two principal titles. One is tempter, and the other is accuser. So um, he tempts us, and then uh, and then it, it's it's the um, it's the accusation, the condemnation. <clears throat> and so this is where the the justification that we have in Christ. Um, we must hold, you know, that that's what's coming to play. The enemies, because the, the, the primary problem with, with sin, it, it's, it, it leads to despair. From a spiritual standpoint, the devil is not interested in our garden variety guilt. He's interested in, in, in our weakness and our struggle, leading us to a place where we are despairing. That's no hope for you. Do that again. Yeah. Can you go back and confess again? And then, so, and you see what happens in spiritual life. We do something. We feel ashamed. We withdraw. Withdraw. And it's also a big lie because what we really discover is more honest. Yes, I did this. You know, we're never more attracted than we're making than when we're making a good confession. But the devil doesn't want you to do that. So the way to conquer. The, the accuser is with a good confession. No nuances. Me. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, but that, that's it. So I think that's the, the, the enemy who, who grew him into to evil, and that's the enemy who accuses him. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. The Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. And Though he has committed sin, the psalmist, and when we fall into something, we are not workers of iniquity. He may have, in a moment of weakness, done something, and um, at that point in time, we're we're, we're kind of it's it, it is a um, uh, in in the state of sort of uh, guilt like that. You find yourself in a curious no man's land because you're not feeling close to God, but you're not really in the party of the world. So you're in there, you know, that, 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 and then, so that's where you need, where you got to rescue us. The Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. 
Um, God sees us. He, he, and this is something to remember when we're going through times of grief. It might be for particular sins. It might be for circumstances in life that are tremendously sad. But these are things that can become part of prayer. God does see that. He's heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. And that's, um, it seems like that's what God wants us to believe. And the way we show we believe it is if we don't stop praying it. As he, as he had said here, um, all night I make my bed swim. I'm not going to stop. So it seems here the idea is I'm not going to stop doing this until God answers, which fits into some parables of Jesus, right? Yeah. Like a man who was, you know, had a travel come, he's loaf of bread, and he goes to borrow from the neighbor, and he goes, get out of here. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to work. It's not So, which, which is um, the main spiritual temptation is to abandon faith. Lord has heard my supplication, Lord will receive my prayer. Let all men be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. And this is, in a certain way now, we can really see the, um, uh, the narrative of the cross, because if we think of Jesus going to the cross for our sins and all the taunts, yeah, you, this, this, and when we feel guilty, we, we sort of bear the burden of this, but then through uh, his cross and the resurrection, which we experience through confession and forgiveness, we're raised up and vindicated. We can stand again in him. And that's, you know, I think how that we kind of connect that with that. Until answer. the next time. I know that feeling of tiredness. It seems strange to say that, but uh, it's like being, sometimes when you've had pain for a long time or had the flu for a long time, you just get tired of being sick. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling of, I'm just tired of this sin, you know? And I think of, um, whose service is perfect freedom, that phrase from morning prayer. Mm-hmm. Who's, it, because that's paradoxic, right? Service isn't freedom. <laughs> Maybe it is. Well, yeah, I mean, so a paradox is a good word for all the ways this is, is, is plays itself out because even as um, we struggle with those sins we're tired of, Christ is right there with us. So we are, we're, we're not captive to death. But we're 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 working out somehow our redemption or our you know, learning or you know and and, and uh, I, I also think I do think that the the time horizon of prayer is something really significant because I think culturally we're just you know we're on a consumer time horizon you know we're going to today. What do you mean, two-day shipping? <laughs> Tomorrow at noon. <laughs> you know, and so for confession, we kind of want to be restored. You know, and, and you know, I think a lot of our prayers we wrestle with, it might be a, we might really understand more profoundly what God's doing over a few years. But 
we understand if we understand the Christian life rightly, we're moving from the beginning of our faith and baptism and conversion of the heart. We're moving towards the resurrection and the life of the world to come. And when we understand everything in that interim space is related to the growth, of course, yeah, this, I'm learning something. And maybe what I have to deal with is a real thing. And I've, I've actually come to realize also that, you know, in the New Testament, we have these miraculous things where, you know, Jesus just does it and is gone. But I don't know that our own more protracted prayer where we learn to hold on to him in faith and we experience grace over longer periods is any less miraculous. Mm. It's just an extended time horizon and during which we learn things, you know, and grow. And but I think I think the uh, the the weariness with it that we is some part of the Christian life. That really what is the main temptation. Like, oh, God, you know, it's it's uh, I always, always think of the scene at the end of John 6 when everyone walks away and Jesus says, you guys want to go too? You know, that's always the question he just asked us as we persevere. Um, he will answer. The Lord will hear our prayer. Maybe not exactly the way we want it. Maybe not because I respected it. For, we'll have a point we'll get, yeah, okay, I see. I see what you're doing. If we hold on in faith and so. stuff. Right. We'll pick up Psalm 7 next time. We'll set our Psalm week. I'm always optimistically sending out two, but we're just we're getting one week. So let us pray. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace this day and forevermore. Amen. Good to have you all here. Jim, Phyllis, Connie, Amy, Griselda, Cheryl, Katie. And Joan, who we didn't see, but I see initials. Katie. Uh, Thank and, you. Uh, Stephanie, good to have you join us today. Uh, Robert, good to have you join us. Marion, return. She comes again with glory. I haven't seen you in ages. I come and go. I see that. <laughs> No, but it was last week it was the bishop who was not the seventeenth You're going away? Yeah. Where are you? I'm going on a cruise and then I'm staying in Rome for four days. Oh, oh what a hardship. Oh, it's too bad. <laughs> well, I gotta get away. My husband's really ill and it's killing me. So I try to travel to get away from home. So 17, of course, the following Thursday is Thanksgiving. We probably see you again Thursday. Oh, yeah, I won't be there either. I'm going to a wedding in Dallas. Can you imagine just planning a wedding on Thanksgiving weekend? Mm. Just, oh, my gosh. What were they thinking? The well, they're thinking, they're thinking everyone would have a four-day weekend. They co-opt yeah, them out like for the, the yeah. worst, worst, yeah. worst. Yeah.